0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: It's that time again, everybody. K Block Radio. Patty Holstrand, this is k Radio, and we're on live today. It is Sunday, August 17th, and it's been August 17th all day. It's 7 p.m. Arizona time, and that would make it a lot later where else, <laughs> or early, depending where you are. So 7 p.m. here, and still daylight, and of course it's still about 100 degrees here. So while uh, while Al is getting a drink, so that way he can actually talk for the rest of the two
2: hours,
1: (laughs) I'm just going to remind everybody that that this is a live radio, so that means that yes, you can naturally call in, or you can also uh, let us know what you think on the chat. The chat is like right below your information about the show, and uh, just write in your question or comment or want to share something. Uh, definitely do that. Also, under chat, you will see all the different relevant topics that he's talking about. I will be giving, you know, putting up all the um, <laughs> all of the uh, links for the things that he for the locations to find out your information for your information about exactly what he's talking about and where he got it from. So, without further ado, this is Alan Joe, and this is the next. Space with Alan Joe.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah. You're going to tell them exactly what I'm talking about, huh? I'm going to
1: show them where you found it,
0: yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like you would actually know what this stuff is. I mean, come on.
2: You're no space
0: geek. You kind of... I'm geekish. Like most people in the world. Actually, you're better than most. But like most people in the world... You have been one who has kind of followed the space industry, such as it is, absently from the fringes of the dark cloud of you the economy. The
1: dark cloud
0: of the economy.
1: Of the economy. Yeah. Fringes do. of the dark cloud. Maybe Most people like today. premise of the story.
0: Doesn't it? Does yeah, it? Yeah.
1: yeah. Fringes of the dark. Dark cloud,
0: cloud of the economy.
1: Yeah, I wasn't going far as the economy. It's kind of boring.
0: Well, but our current economy. You hear people talk. The it's economy is ones. actually picking up yeah, a little bit, yeah. so while well, maybe we, not a...
1: We heard from Darren from Imperial Pop Post, and he says, things are going really good. And thank you to all those who are frequenting him now.
0: Mm-hmm. It makes us look good. Thank you. That's cool. <laughs> there are some neat things happening in the world of space this year, yeah. or rather this week, this, this week and last. Um well, our first story up on the thing is oh, about we're
1: just starting right we'll well, to start right out. Well, sure. Start with NASA, right? Yeah,
0: we're going to start. We always start with the NASA stuff. There we that's, go. That's one of the things everybody wants to watch.
1: There we go, everyone.
0: So here's here's our thing for tonight. There there's this idea when building spacecraft, both for space, for landers or as orbiters, that components need to be built effectively by implementing. Um, a folding process.
1: Folding.
0: Sure. Well, when when most stuff, kind of sorta. Of, okay. I mean, most most solar panels today that are launched with a spacecraft of some sort are folded up into a nice neat little package, and when they get into space at their destination, they unfold. Yeah, they pop up or they fold out like on the ISS or these different things. But a new direction has been to explore origami you remember origami?
1: Yeah, I know. They
0: do the little crane thing and you can do all sorts of fun things with dollar I bills. I did,
1: did a book of origami recently. A book of who? This, this guy actually like a little, it's, it's like a uh, shooting star, you know, it's a comet actually. Oh, okay. Origami comet. Oh, so he everyone, folded it. Whenever he it. killed somebody, he'd leave a little origami comet.
0: You met this guy?
1: It's a fiction story.
0: Oh, it's a fiction story. Yeah, okay.
1: designs of yeah. cover for it. All right.
0: So anyway, what's new
2: so I know is what that. Is.
0: Yeah. Well, we also remember not only just solar cells, but also the lunar rover when it landed on the moon in
2: mm-hmm. the did Apollo program. Did they leave it there?
0: Oh well, yeah, they left it there. It's unfolded, but they left it there. It's ready to roll. So if you had a new battery and you sat down on it, you could probably I'm drive going it up. Go to
1: the moon to the museum of leftover goods from America.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Um, but this idea is even better, especially for solar panels. In fact, panels used in space missions already incorporate simple folds, collapsing like a fan or an accordion. But um, a guy named Triis, Tree, I think it is, and colleagues are interested in using more intricate folds to simplify the mechanical structure and make for your deployment. Now, I got some cool photos in the article. Check out the link. Um, last year, These guys collaborated with an origami expert, Robert Lang, and BYU professor, Larry Howell, to develop a solar array that folds up to be 8.9 feet in diameter. Now, that's folded. Now, keep in mind, 8.9 feet is a good bit smaller than the 15 feet, give or take, of the maximum diameter that can be launched inside a SpaceX fairing. So, this space thing can fold up to 8.9 feet, 2.7 meters for all you metric folks, in diameter, all the way across. Now unfold it, and you've got a structure 82 feet, or 25 meters, across. That's that's huge. That's like tenfold increase in physical size for the actual process, which means that you can you can compact the solar panel array into a much smaller space than they normally can nowadays. Cool. The article goes on to talk about their 120th scale tabletop prototype expands to a deployed meter diameter of 4.1 feet. And so they, uh, this is kind of exciting what they do, and I'll tell you what, it's really awesome. It's, it's actually quite awe-inspiring the way it, it, it functions and works and out. Do
1: they vacuum pack it?
0: No, they don't have to vacuum pack. It.
1: That'd be kind of cool if they vacuum pack. They it. do
0: use kind of a, um, if you're familiar with Buckyballs. Bucky uh, well, when you go to, for example, Challenger Space Center, they have this ball that's kind of a space frame kind of thing, and you can pull it apart, and it gets really huge, and you can shrink oh, it back when go, up. Those, are those fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, what they do to make this we thing unfold? Uh huh. What they do with this is they take their origami model mm-hmm. and on the outside of it they have a ring of this bucky kind of stuff that expands and contracts oh. and so it pulls the whole assembly out into its full diameter mm-hmm. and then it can also fold it right back up at least oh. that's what it looks like so it's really mm-hmm. interesting um, check out the the um, uh, the page in the article at nasa.jpl.nasa.gov news slash news php release 2014-277 and I'm not going to do that one again. <laughs> okay, that was a mouthful. Thank you. Goodness. Wonderful of our digital world and how it references things. Just remember the old Dewey Decimal system? Yeah. When you think about the way we find stuff on the web oh, with oh, this kind of an address. I so, yes,
1: I need an answer to that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people don't know about the Dewey Decimal. Oh
1: yeah, I know kids don't. Yeah. They said, what? Yeah. Said, you know libraries use it uh,
0: They don't use it anymore. You know, a lot I of them don't know use, what a library is. A lot of libraries don't use it to a decimal anymore. No, I
1: don't. they don't. They do they that, use a new
0: thing, subject based or something like that, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But anyway, next thing is, um, from nineteen ninety three to July of this year the number of NASA civil servants declined by eight thousand. In contrast, SpaceX has been on the rise since it was founded in 2002, and they now have upwards of 3,000 employees and rival private industry newcomer Sierra Nevada Corp. Public-held aerospace manufacturer Boeing claims more than 56,000 in its Defense, Space, and Security Group. And although NASA remains to date the only American agency to have sent humans to space, those three companies are competing for crew contracts from NASA. SpaceX and Orbital Sciences have previously launched cargoes. Now, the the article talks about this from the perspective of a young engineering student who's preparing to uh, explore positions at NASA, and she's actually evaluating whether NASA's her next best step or not. And looking at the differences in the way the NASA culture works and how its funding systems are um, held in limbo so often and sometimes even canceled to the point of places like SpaceX where you have a culture where certain people um, in certain engineers can actually get funding for their projects and they can do personal projects that support the overall program of SpaceX and they can get funding for stuff that they might not be able to do at NASA. So again, another interesting article about changes in uh, our space industry today. A lot of people moving around and in and about. Uh, We we tend to watch the news leaders, Elon Musk, who has created a platform for himself and now is very outspoken. He is essentially the face of SpaceX and Tesla and SolarCity, for that matter. Um,
1: He's a rock and
0: roller. He is. uh, Richard Branson, the face of Uh, Virgin Galactic. Um, And we have several people. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh So a lot of of things are going on, and not just with the people that we see in the major news releases, but this whole article is about how increasingly gifted individuals are beginning to say NASA isn't the best route for engineering for interesting, space.
1: interesting change, in a way. Yeah,
0: it is. And with the economy beginning to improve, we're seeing uh, contracts grow at SpaceX. We're seeing um, some consolidation in the industry with the different companies that are out there. We're also seeing an increase in, in funding and financial support for some of these companies as well coming from the investment sector. So, again, we're starting to see things shift and change it's an exciting time to be. Uh, The long-awaited debut flight of NASA's Orion spacecraft has been scheduled for a morning launch December 4th. Now, this is a an major milestone, and typical of NASA, it's taken 10 years to get here. With a window of around 60 minutes, her ride uphill on the ULA Delta IV heavy rocket is targeting a uh, 8 03 Eastern Time launch from Cape Canaveral. Now, how this goes, we'll have to wait and see, but there's your date, there's your time, and for some of us, it's kind of like an about-time kind of, you know. Why
2: are we waiting until December?
0: (laughs) Well, that's an easy question. Currently, Cape Canaveral is probably the premium launch point um, in the country. Right. And actually, there's only a handful of others that are capable of launching a large ship like the Delta Air Heavy.
2: Right.
1: December, you know, you have weird weather. Well, here's,
0: here's the thing. You've got a lot of other ships launch, scheduled to launch at Cape Canaveral. Right. So they're in line to get launched. So basically, well, when they finally got to the would point... You
1: think the mothership would get its first first dibs of when they wanted to actually launch off.
0: Actually, no. I mean... Oh. Um,
1: Whoever pays the most. If you
0: were, well, no. If you were a passenger, now this is the interesting thing. Uh, It's not about the money. It's more about scheduling the launches that have to take place at Cape Canaveral in the months between now and then. Now this one is somewhat opportunistic, or what what do they call that? It's it's not a hard, fast, absolute got to launch on that date. But that's the first available date that the schedulers for Cape Canaveral had that this thing, when they finally announced, oh, now we're ready to launch, oh, well, you're going to have to wait till December because we got SpaceX, we got Delta, we got uh, ULA, we've got all these other launches already scheduled. You got Finally?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. like a hairdresser.
0: Huh?
1: Yeah.
0: A hairdresser, what's yeah. that got to do with it?
1: Oh, because she only takes you when she's got down. You know,
0: Open spaces. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's going to be interesting to watch and see how it goes out. Uh, I have no doubt it'll probably be a successful launch. I wish the best for them. Uh, and speaking of, of launches in Cape Canaveral, okay, we got we got a little side note here. Uh-oh. All right. Country music star. Country music star. Well, at least star has something to do with space. Okay. Brad Paisley went to NASA's Kennedy Space Center on Saturday. This is back on the. This is yesterday, to launch his new space-themed song "American Flag on the Moon." Oh wow!
2: <coughs>
0: According to an interview with Billboard magazine, I'm so
1: excited about that one.
0: <laughs> Paisley was expired to write the song after his young son tried to see the flag left by Apollo oh. 11 moonwalkers, Armstrong and Aldrin, in 1969. He recalls what happened in his lyrics. So you'll have to listen to the song to get the details.
2: That'd be kind of cool too. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but basically... Um,
1: in way.
0: So it's just, he, he goes to he went to NASA to mm-hmm. to launch this space interesting Well, song. I guess so, that would be
1: the place to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you want to be where, where the stuff is going on. I I wish Brad safely left. A lot of luck, yeah. I, I think the I think the song will. At least you're doing it for the right reason. Haven't listened to it yet. I'll have to have to listen well, to it later. Well, you like on that the, country western stuff. I, I do like a little country western, but I'm more of a a, I, uh, I, I a little hit country western. A little country western. I mean, here's the thing about music: music changes monthly, much less yearly. I mean, yep. daily. Not really. And so you know, a lot of what what was not country, not country 30 years radio ago was
1: broken on that channel.
0: No, <laughs> I I don't actually. It's not set to country right now. Yeah, I only right listen to it occasionally.
1: Yeah, listen to your own stuff that you're listening to. You no, know, I
0: got talk radio set. On oh radio well, Yeah, talk one. Of course, that's because I got to listen to the traffic news in the morning on the way to work. <laughs> Heaven forbid I should have an accident or be late or anything like that. So you know, it, you know, we all we all do different things at different times. You know, we have our tastes kind of change <laughs> or adjust. <laughs> depending on the circumstances. So, you know how that goes. <laughs> uh, but somebody else who is sounding off is next on our list. Mike Griffin, former is the former head of NASA, mm. and says that U.S. is not on a path to Mars. The, the US,
1: former NASA chief
2: says right. something.
0: Yeah. yeah. He says U.S. is not on a path to Mars. Now, we've been hearing a lot lately about how NASA's and its asteroid capture and mining thing is supposed to be part of the foundation to get us to Mars mm-hmm. way out there sometime after 2030. Right. Okay. Now, what he says, however, is relevant to the fact that U.S. policymakers and others passionate about human Mars landing are delusional if they believe the nation that ended its first foray into deep space with the Apollo landings. Is on a calculated path to the red planet. Current efforts focused on NASA's asteroid retrieval mission as a springboard are fizzling because the U.S. is not the spacefaring nation most assume. He told this, he made this speech at the 17th Mars Society conference in League City, Texas, as part of an August 9th session on exploration. Now the Mars Society conference was held um, last weekend, and they covered a lot of these details, and a lot of interesting talks. For some of you, you probably watched it uh, online, uh, caught a lot of the the broadcasts of those sessions, Um, but a lot of interesting comments came out of it, and so forth, and so forth. In fact, here's something for you, talking about stuff rolling downhill.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was reading your thing there.
0: The agency's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Now, now you've got to remember, you've got the Mars Robots. we got Spirit and Opportunity were the first ones. One of those is pretty much not doing much anymore. And now you've got Curiosity Rover. But up in orbit, you've got the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Now, currently orbiting the Red Planet, it's spotted the trail left behind after a tall boulder tumbled down a Martian slope. And, of course, the government has eyes. Everywhere, everywhere even on Mars the Mars rocks misshapen prints are clearly visible in the spacecraft's view from orbit while NASA unveiled the uh, orbiter spacecraft's black and white view of the rocky road on Wednesday this is the 13th this last week the image was actually captured back on the first the third day of July so but it, it's interesting as you look at the image this thing travel if that rock is as big as it looks from space it travels quite a distance,
2: yeah.
0: rolling down the hill. So check out that that photo of interest and, and um,
2: yeah, take that a might look. Be sure.
0: Yeah, and the article goes in a little bit more detail, talks about the slope and things like that. Um, <clears throat> talking about slippery slopes. <laughs> you
1: okay. Yeah, I saw your
0: there. Four four teenage girls...
2: What are you pulling here?
0: Okay, this is teenage girls now, so remember about teenage girls and what we get from those. Okay, Okay. figured out a way to use a liter of urine as fuel to get six hours of electricity from the generator. Basically what they did, they put urine into an electrolytic cell, and of course an electrolytic cell for those non-science geeks here, is kind of like a battery, but it's a, it's a biological kind of battery or a mm-hmm. chemical kind of battery that separates out the hydrogen. Now, the big drawback is that hydrogen poses an explosion risk. Now, the girls were pretty clever on this one. They used a one-way valve throughout the device to prevent stuff from backflowing through the system as a safety measure. Now, urine is so put in the... it didn't
1: hit the pan then. Do what? It did not hit the pan then.
0: No. No fan on this one. All right. No need for a fan here. Urine is put into the electrolytic cell, separates out the hydrogen. The hydrogen then goes through a water filter for purification. Not sure how a gas passing through water actually purifies it, but read the article. They go into a little bit more detail. Then into a gas cylinder. Now, the gas cylinder pushes the filtered hydrogen into another cylinder that contains liquid borax in order to remove moisture from the gas. You've got to have a dry gas. Then finally, the hydrogen is pushed into a power generator in the final step of the process. And from the power generator, while it's running, it generates electricity. It's an interesting article. I looked at some of the photos. It's, uh, it's very intriguing what they're proposing. Um, the downside, um, you've got to read the article for sure, but um, not quite ready for prime time. Uh, there's a lot of energy goes into the fuel cell. A lot of energy goes into uh, the various stages as it goes around. So while they created uh, electrical energy for six hours uh, running on this generator, uh, from what I understand World reading voltage. on it, they actually no, they actually used a bit more energy than that in getting everything to work. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, kind of reminds me a lot of fusion. Put boatloads of energy in, and you get a thimbleful out. Mhm. <laughs> oh.
1: And, and of course, okay.
0: huh? The blog. Make oh, sure that, there's two links here. The yeah. first one is an article that uh, talks about the girls and and their presentation at the Make America Make Maker Fair Africa. The next is the Maker Fair Africa blog that actually has a little bit more detail for you. So check it out. Interesting reading, uh, some interesting ideas that they're putting forward. Now, one might suggest that the girls might quit while they're ahead, but we're going to leave that to uh, the astronaut from Korea. Uh, She went from astronaut N-A-U-T to astronaut N-O-T. Yi Seo-Yong South Korea's first and only astronaut quit her job this past week, ending the country's manned space program. Now, that, That's kind of sad. You
1: know mean?
0: The only astronaut quits, and so yeah. now they don't have a manned space program.
1: That's um, and there's a woman still really with a manned space program
0: anyway. Oh, now that's hitting <laughs> that's hitting below the belt. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Right. Um the Korea Aerospace Research Institute said he sent a resignation letter by mail that explains she would be stepping down from her position due to personal reasons according to local experts. Okay, so now the article goes in no not pregnancy uh, but the demands of being the only astronaut in the country are pretty huge um, oh. I can imagine the public relations deal that goes into that I mean being being I could see her being mobbed if it's anything like the u s you know, astronaut shows up and they get mobbed. They do? Well, they used to. Used to. There's so many of them out there now in the U.S. We we kind of got used to it. But she's the only one in her country that went to space.
1: Yeah, that probably would be pretty cool for
0: any, especially young people. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that plus appearances, all the things that go along mm-hmm. with being uh, an astronaut and... Celebrity. A celebrity. Absolutely. Um... Before we move into our next segment, Private Space News Space, we're going to take a brief break for station identification. Go for it, Engineer.
1: <laughs> this is k Radio. Uh, are we actually taking a, a real break with music or what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about our, let's say that first we need to remind you that, yes, this is live radio. So there is a call number, 714 242 Seven one four we one four five. I'll be getting into the uh, commentary section, right? Commentary section, another show pretty soon here. So uh, you know, we welcome people to call in and answer the sense you want to hear something um, relevant for space. Definitely give us a call. And yes, this is a seven one four number. Therefore, it is. It, it if you don't use your cell phone, it will be charged. Just to warn you. Um. We also have to want to say hey to all of our people listening, and uh, thank you for continuing to uh, listen into our shows, and uh, hopefully more to come. Uh, next Sunday we will not be here because Don will be out of town, or Al will be otherwise uh, busy with family. So we are will take a hiatus for a week, and we'll be back the week after. Also, I want you to thank our our. our People are advertisers.: Our sponsors for our program, always. Uh, thank our sponsor sponsors. not only. not only is Wad Media our sponsor, it's all for our mothership. And we also like to thank uh, Imperial Outposts, our good friends out there, uh, gaming people. Uh, love you guys. And also uh, Pop Culture Paradise, who continues to give us support. We, we love you guys too. And, you know, we have a couple of conventions that are coming into town, so uh, brand new advertisers for us, and that's uh, Comic Expo here in Mesa. And that's going to be in October. Guys, take a look at it, okay? there's Comic and Media Expo. So with that, I'm uh, going to take a real fast one, I think. I don't have anything fast. <laughs> we also like to say hey to the hey girls show which is going to be showing on as soon as i get my calendar up here i'll let you guys know oh it is going to be august 27th again we're going to be out there at the ice, the ice house in uh, on thomas road and in, in phoenix and that'll be starting eight o'clock and we'll be going until 10. and that of course is all of our music music variety show we we talk about music we talk about things going on in pop culture and uh, next this Thursday, this Thursday, this Thursday pop culture night. Yes, I am part of that. So you wanna come and say hi to Hi to me. I'm gonna be out of Pop Culture Night, six thirty to eight thirty at Queen's Pizza. Queen's Pizza is gonna be our wonderful sponsor for pop culture night at on August twenty first. It's this Thursday night. So come on out again, Mesa. Right in the heart of Mesa, right downtown Mesa, You can't get any more in the center of Mesa than at Queen's Pizza. It'd be right next to, or right down the way from Lo-Fi, Lo-Fi Coffee. Hey guys, I'm uh, gonna find a newspaper. Want gonna find one of our Wad newspapers. That's a where, that's where it go, man. Lo-Fi Coffee, the home of, the home of our, of our newspaper, the Wad. And you can find it there. You can find it at Gotham City Comics. You can find it at Public Culture. You can find it at any comic book store and most uh, bookstores in town, um, especially once I get up there in 32nd Street area. New and, and what? New locations are now available. Yeah, new locations are now available. Um, Kamikaze and uh, Santan Comics. Hey, guys. Brand new stores. We welcome you to our pop culture community. Uh, brand new sites for your reading pleasure and your gaming and comic book fixation. Say <laughs> comic book fixation. You got comic books there. You've got uh, toys. You got mobility. What more could a geek want? So you got it in multiple parts of town. Uh, We're well, pretty much. I think. I think that geekdom has really spread. So, you know, while we lost some locations recently, we've gained some, and so you know, they're spreading out. They're spreading their wings as uh, they're getting into other parts of uh, our valley. So uh, we've got the brand new one, of course, in let Park, and then on the opposite end of the world, which we got Santa Ana Thomas, which is in Queen Creek. So, you know, you guys, uh, you know, spreading. We we love you for spreading. And uh, get the news out there, and let's all have some fun with all the geek stuff coming up. Also, to talk about, real briefly, we've got Coppercon Phantasm. uh, That's 2014, and that's going to be 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. That's next weekend, guys, already. Uh, We've got... (laughs) (laughs) He's wasting time. Uh, 20, okay, we have two other conventions coming up on, uh, the, by the end of this month. We might as well mention it now since, uh, since Al's got his mouse, with some pizza. Uh, Stable 10 Con 2014 is 29th, 30th, and 31st. Also, if you happen to be in Texas, because, you know, after all, KWOD Radio is international radio. Uh, we are, are in all states in the world. Uh, amazing Houston Comic Con, as a Comic Con. Amazing Houston Comic Con is going to be in on the same weekend as Sabotan says, 29th, 30th, and 31st. Obviously, Houston is in Texas. <laughs> For those of you who may not know, <laughs> so uh, you know, definitely say hi to, to Jay out there. He's he's Jimmy Jay. He's going to be uh, obviously in charge of amazing all the amazing comics cons. So come on out, and uh, if you're in Houston or in Texas, anywhere or any other vicinity in the world, you're all welcome to come to the amazing Houston Comet Con. You ready? He said he's ready. So with that, uh, what else we got going on here? I don't know. We just got stuff. We've got a brand new show coming up, but you know what? I'm not going to tell you about that yet because they haven't given me the details.
0: I know what I can announce. <laughs> yeah,
1: she, Al has an announcement.
0: Some well, of you may recall we built a trebuchet some some months ago. Yeah,
1: watch every day. It's a wad trebuchet, weapon of destruction.
0: And um, <laughs> my first wad first. trebuchet, the black scorpion,
1: yeah. That's is favorite animal in the is, entire
0: world. She's pregnant
1: know oh, There's going to be a baby know, scorpion we don't soon. Know how that happens. <laughs> we are uh,
0: who we knows are with you. Uh, who
1: knows? We
0: that? we are working with the local scouts to create kits and this is a prototype we're putting together uh in support of next spring's April uh-huh. Stamp Camporee for the local district Boy Scouts. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, we'll have more details for you as we that get going
1: an, an airy scorpion.
0: Well, it won't be born then. It's, it's almost completed. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm hoping to take it up uh, take it up to the desert uh, this coming weekend and give it some testing. Let's see if we can't see how this... Desert, are you going to be uh, the desert in Utah? Well, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You've never been to Utah. Never seen it on a map. I've
1: seen it on a map. Uh-huh.
0: Seems to me I think the Painted Desert's up there somewhere. No. Where's that?
1: Well, well, okay, hey, somewhere. It's one of the four corners.
0: <laughs> Neither one of us knows where that is. We can point out the moon, but we can't point out the Painted Desert, right?
2: Well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway. It's
1: pink.
0: Of course. Speaking of old things. We were. Yes, we're talking about each other, so that's old stuff. <laughs> I um, didn't think we are talking about Some it. of you may remember, we, we've been watching the news of a private group who has been attempting to take hold and control of a 36-year-old international Sun-Earth Explorer satellite. Oh,
2: sure.
0: Now, <laughs> they even had a, a, a crowdfunding effort that actually raised a little bit more than what they needed. Um, to help them do some, and they ended up being able to do a few extra things. Uh, But in the process, um, they've been working on this for the past few weeks. They've actually been uh, conversing with the satellite. They made it pass around the moon, came back by the Earth. And at first, they planned to park it close to Earth, but they abandoned that plan after finding out that it was out of the pressurant, I guess I read that as fuel uh, needed to move it. <laughs> at least some well, of the it's
1: 13...
0: just they them, well, yeah, well, you know how they are. Uh, they at least, gap, yeah. Yeah. At least some of the 13-type experiments are still working. However, so the old spacecraft will do one of the things it was originally tasked to do: study solar weather. Its measurements will be compared to those taken by the satellites that are closer to Earth's vicinity, like NASA's Solar Terrestrial. Uh, Relations Observatory, okay? So it's going to add more to what we know about the sun, even though they didn't get to, were able to park it close by. It's kind of like an errant teenager then, you know, I mean, it's 30-some-odd years old, so midlife crisis, it does not want to do what it's told, does it?
2: I wouldn't
0: know about that. Oh. You know, I... when we talk about, we talked earlier about the um, oh, the crew capsule. What was that? that was, uh, Talking about
2: the YouTube craze?
0: No. Um, get this the. Orion. We we talked about the Orion. It's uh, now been scheduled for its uh, first launch. Um, we have a video for all you folks. You might want to uh, check it out. Right here. That's right there. That's actually a video. I
1: know. But
0: that's where I'm at.
1: NASA's new Mars capsule?
0: Well, that's basically the Orion. Oh. Okay. NASA's building for the... Now, I had to take exception to this, though. So NASA is building the world's most advanced heat shield to keep astronauts cool as they return from Mars, burning through the Earth's atmosphere at 20,000 miles an hour. Okay. Bloomberg, where the website, where the YouTube comes from, it's their report, looks at the futuristic design that makes that possible. Now, the one thing that kind of buggers me is that I thought SpaceX's heat shield was the newest, greatest kind of thingy.
1: Well, as you said, new is greatest, you know, one week is not new as great as next week again. Well,
0: there is that. There is that. Um, refresh. Oh. You need to refresh because I moved something around. Okay. So, but anyway, speaking of futuristic stuff. Hang on,
1: hang on. If you want to do that, I've
0: got to get back in here. Well, hurry it up.
1: No you do this to me, man. All
0: you had to do was hit F five.
1: No, I'm not in this it's you're looking at your stuff. I have to get into everybody's stuff. Man. So you were saying? <laughs> hey, wait, until you take a bite. It's good to have him with his mouthful. <laughs> So, so we were talking about what, talking about
0: the future. And, you know,
2: Privacy.
0: I've watched Bigelow Aerospace for several years now. Since back in 06 uh, and 07, when Bigelow um, launched their two prototype um, spacecraft. Don't be in a hurry. Click somewhere. I am
2: clicking somewhere. Just do your thing.
0: Bigelow Aerospace has released a new promotional video. Now they appear to be ramping up in an effort to court commercial space clients. On July 29th, they released this new promotional video. Check out the link. As the only private space station builder, Bigelow sits in a unique position to support SpaceX, x and others in the new space arena.
1: I feel like you didn't see that coming.
0: Wow, well, I did. Yeah. But since 06 and even before that, uh, when they established Bigelow Aerospace, they haven't done this PR thing. This is new for them.
1: I know. I mean,
0: I think it's about time.
1: It's about freaking time, actually. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, here it is. It's, it's, uh, what, seven years after they put their first piece up there, and I was so shocked that they didn't shout it at the rooftops.
1: They should have, but that's
0: just it. That's the way they are. Well, it's the way most of the space companies are they are run by engineers, or in Bigelow's case, he's an upper-level manager, CEO. So they don't always appreciate those types of things. I mean, clearly they're starting to, which I think is—is—is is, is great. Now, also in the news this this past uh, week, uh, and it created such a flurry in the news. I thought it was funny. All right. Here was the headline, SpaceX Headquarters Fetches $47 Million. Fetches. Yeah, okay. So basically what it sounded like is it sounded like SpaceX was selling their headquarters. Well, that started all sorts of news that that said, okay, SpaceX is leaving California. Oh, they're going to move to Texas. Oh, they're going to do this. They're going to do that. Oh,
2: wow.
0: Well, actually, here's what happened. (laughs) East Coast Base REIT Chambers Street acquired the SpaceX building for $46.7 million. Now, that's the building that houses SpaceX headquarters at One Rocket Road in Hawthorne. Now, it's a 510,000-square-foot uh, leased industrial facility. So, SpaceX leases the the property,
1: yeah, and then their lot. current
0: contract goes through 2023. They have a lot. Yeah. Now they created the company in 2002 and it's a private commercial launch business, blah, 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 blah. It gives them 47
1: point, or No, it doesn't 47.
0: give SpaceX anything.
1: It gets, See, it gets this
0: company. No, 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 no. Here, what happened here is SpaceX got a new landlord. Oh. So now their contract, their lease contract, hmm. gets transferred over to this REIT Chamber Street. Oh,
1: they're not moving
0: nowhere. No, they're not moving anywhere. But oh, such a flurry, it triggered. Oh, man, it was huge. Um, but still with that, uh, back going back a little bit about, uh, on SpaceX, uh, you remember a couple weeks ago, they had the successful launch of the Orbcom satellite pack of six on the Falcon 9, and we actually got to see a great video of the Falcon 9 booster, um soft landing out in the ocean mm-hmm. well apparently they had another video and this video is from a different perspective of a chase plane following the craft and it actually you can actually watch the booster actually coming down almost to the water but apparently the guy decided to fiddle and zoom in and he lost track of it so we didn't get to see the tip over oh, <laughs> there you go cameraman just Forgetting these place. With Should have figured out the zoom in button beforehand. That
2: would've been good.
0: That would have been much better. Um, I'll refer you again to our opportunities to participate um, in New Space today. Uh, we are keeping these links live. Uh, the Mars Research Desert Research Station, the um, uh, there's also the Mars Initiative, there's Mars Rover Competition was held in held in uh, Utah. A while back, Celestial Suds. I'm still, I, I, I'd love to get somebody to give us a review of these these eight beers that are coming well, out. If you guys give
1: us a review, we'll I put it in this newspaper and it'll be on
0: the web and everything. Oh,
1: yeah, there we go. Did yeah, a lot will carry that. Beer drinkers have reasons they write.
0: <laughs> right. There's there also an article about Boy Scout space exploration and a series of merit that badges that awesome. they did um, with that, trying to learn about STEM and all of the various peripheral stuff.
1: We'll give you guys some extra PR for that too. Now also, Send us your articles.
0: Virgin Galactic released uh, in the last two weeks um, seven books that allow you to create your own paper version of Spaceship Two. And this That's is a cool. neat little thing. And they're due to launch um, very soon, if not already. It's a partnership between the private spaceflight company and DK, a global publisher of illustrated reference books. So many, many, many different ways um, that these things can, can happen. So um, <clears throat> moving on to our commentary section for tonight. We've got two topics we're going to bat about for just a few minutes. Um, the first one is a question. And that is, it kind of follows some legislation that a couple of uh, these guys are trying to push through Congress. And it has to do with the idea of giving people the right to profit off of their efforts in space. Now, here's the way it works. U.S. companies are... I- got a oh, okay. Well, bring up. We've got a caller! We've got a caller! Hot diggity-dolls! <laughs> so,
1: let me get this started here. How are we going to hear them, though? You'll hear them. We will?
0: You hear it and relay it.
1: No? <laughs> Hang on a second. What? Not sure how that's
2: going
1: to work. Okay. Al's going to talk
0: to you. Welcome, caller. Who we got? Hello. Hello, how you doing? Hey.
3: Good. This is this is Chet out of uh, New York State.
0: Hi, Chet. How's the weather in New York tonight?
3: You know, pretty good. It's, um, it's been a little cool, but, it's, uh, but nonetheless, it's, uh, it's been okay. It's been in the 70s, which, you know, I don't comp- complain too much because once, once winter hits, then it's
0: real nasty. That's true. You guys have gotten in <laughs> front of it for many years. So what brings you to oh, our yeah. show tonight? Welcome. Oh well, well,
3: thank you very much. Well, this is the first space show that I've seen online, and I just I'm not only a first time listener, but I'm also a first time caller in the sense that I don't I don't even know what you guys are talking about today, um, but I am a Christian and I love talking about the cosmos. I love talking about uh, the things of space, and I was curious if you guys would be interested in sort of a uh, kind of an open debate here of the origins of the universe.
0: Hmm. I don't know. I'm open to a lot of I mean, things. I hadn't considered that one. Okay, I, wasn't, yeah. uh, I, I know that uh, we have uh, probably two major, major, uh, what I would consider theories of the origins of the universe there is of course the big bang which is actually currently coming under fire a little bit with some of the new higgs boson uh uh realizations and then of course there is the uh creation principle mm-hmm. right. Um, right. personally i kind of fit i kind of fit in between them somewhere
3: okay okay so it sounds like to me that you 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 were be open anyway to the idea that God does exist and he did create uh but you're not a hundred percent sure if that's true
0: um I look at um, God when it comes to science and technology in that we learn and grow uh, sometimes in leaps and bounds and we end up hanging on a cliff by our fingertips once in a while and we have to climb back up to solid ground and realize, okay, we missed something on that last pass. Now, science does this all the time. Um, sure. But the the challenge that I run up against is that theology, the idea that God is... Um, the only reason for anything, um, Mm -hmm. has some pieces missing to it. And I've Mm -hmm. never been one to appreciate this whole mysterious universe thing. I I have a firm belief that we are children. As children looking up to a father, that father's goal is to teach us about our universe. And science Mm -hmm. affords us a mechanism to do that. Do I have any doubt that a God was involved in the creation of the universe at this time? No, no doubt whatsoever. Do okay. we know the mechanism by how that worked? Not on your life. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know that there's really uh, much to debate on this type of a show. As The, the premise mm-hmm. for our program is we talk about the current news and progress, in space science and our focus is on those threads in science news mm-hmm. that directly impact upon manned space exploration oh. and manned settlement sure. in space in the future. The topic sure. of where the universe came from doesn't necessarily come up because we're looking forward rather than back.
2: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have great uh, well, respect.
3: Go ahead. Oh, go no, go ahead. Our, our phones, by the way, are probably um, overlapping because of a signal. So okay. if it sounds like I'm interrupting you at all, I apologize, don't mean to. It's just uh, the way the phones are working here.
0: Digital technology is so wonderful. I remember briefly when we were all forced to go to digital TV signals, and I get I get worse right. reception now over the air than I did with analog. I right. got more channels, but yeah. I I can only get half of them. That's right. And here we have digital telephone conversations, which also suffer from their own brand of challenges. Um, I can remember many times, um, and I'm going to date myself here. I remember the old party lines that we used to have on the phone system. Oh yeah. And then now we. Yep, we've, I can recall those. And then we went to digital, and then uh all the changes over over the years um, and yet we still for every for every step forward, we find that there is a price somebody isn't paying attention to, and yeah, for
3: instance our is our, everything's going to get so small that you can't see them anymore. <laughs> Well,
2: there's
0: that. Everything, uh, everything's
3: going to be implanted in our eyeballs. We're not even going to need a phone anymore.
0: Absolutely. I, <laughs> and, and there are indeed challenges to that extent. I, I personally am a big fan that I think, uh, as I said, that I kind of fall somewhere between the religious view and the hard science view, that there's mm. there's a blend in between to be found. Sure. That Well, yeah, go ahead. Um, that neither one offers us all of the answers, science, because we haven 't progressed far enough, and religion mm-hmm. and and theology because um, because it 's given to us as a very mysterious thing, and this is this is where I think uh, theology tends to fail us in helping us understand mm-hmm. things, whereas science fails in that we think we have an explanation and then the next day comes up and in the morning dawn, we see, oh, wait a minute, that doesn't work because of this. That doesn't work. Yeah. So we we find ourselves with our pants down in the latrine. Um, But so I think as we (coughs) turn and go forward that in my mind, we're going to find so many new and exciting things coming up in the next uh, 20, 30, even 50 years. That are going to let, shed a lot of light on these two very diverse perspectives, not only of how the universe was created, but how we came to be, how the planets and so forth.
2: Your turn. Hello.
3: Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you got cut out there. Yeah, let me. Um, no, everything you are saying, and I apologize. Host, apologize, host. What is your name? My name is Don. Don, Chad, Don, and uh, my partner. And Don, is... do people Sorry. call you? And and this our, is who is it?
0: Our show's names are Al and Joe. So I'm Al. She's Joe.
3: Gotcha. Hey, Joe.
0: <laughs> Say hi. Hi.
3: <laughs> Hello. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys. I uh, I'm I'm sure that it, with an audience like yours, like what you have, you probably have a mix. Of people, you know, maybe some agnostics, some atheists, uh, you know, people who believe in scientism. Uh, you probably have a lot of, you might even have some Christians in there who are just interested in science uh, and the cosmos, which it is a fascinating uh, topic. And I got to say here, because this is a, when, anytime that I tell people I'm a fundamental Bible-believing Christian, the first thing that they, they start ridiculing me on is that I hate science and I hate scientists. Both are absolutely not true. I think that um, things could be observed in different ways, and certainly I think the best explanation for reality uh, is best explained in a theist point of view, and I would argue that to kingdom come. But I do not hate scientists. I just want to kind of clear it up, and I certainly do not hate science. In fact, I'm, I tell you, part of the curse, and I don't want to get into it long, but part of the curse is is. The, the earth fell. You know, after Adam ate that that fruit and Eve ate that fruit, the whole earth became cursed. And uh, I'll tell you, the good example of that would be, you know, don't mow your lawn for a couple weeks and see what happens. <laughs> I praise the Lord that uh, that we have technology and we have science and we have people that know how to maintain the earth. Uh, we have water plants and sewage plants, and we have wonderful things that if they were not there, we wouldn't be able to survive as a, in, in our civilizations. So uh, I'm very, very much uh, thankful for science, and I'm very thankful for technology. What I would say, though, as a um, kind of starting this thing off, and I know I'm probably completely off topic, but I think it's certainly a very important one, is the ontological view of philosophy is how where are all these things come from uh, the, not only just the stars, not only the planets and the moon and the and the earth, but how about us people? the fact that we can interact with one another, where does all that come from? Is it the result of uh, cosmological uh, accident, you know chemicals banging into one another, stardust bumping into stardust you know Uh, That's what I'd argue against. I argue that we have a divine, all-knowing, supernatural being called God. Um, Which God it is is a a second part of the argument. Um, But I believe he does exist and he gave us the right to live. He created us as is, all the animals, all the plants as is. I do not believe in macroevolution, but I certainly believe in microevolution. And I think that's another misconception that people make against Christians is we don't believe in evolution. Well, that's not true at all. Uh, there are some evolutions we do believe in. For instance, we do know there are different kinds of finches and bacterias because we can observe that. We have fossil records of different sizes and beaks and legs, but a finch will always produce another finch and bacteria will always produce another bacteria. Uh, we don't have any examples of... Uh, a, a finch producing a, a, a dinosaur or vice versa. We only have examples of microevolution. Before I continue, do you have any other thoughts about that? do you have any other thoughts about
0: that? While it's, while it's uh, an intriguing topic of discussion, it is... Um, Sadly, outside of our typical um, I'm just kind of
3: giving so, a... Um, but
0: yeah. I would... I would...
3: All I'm, the reason I said... Ask you a question. Sure. The
0: reason I said... Ask you a question.
3: Sure. Sure.
0: How would this perspective... Affect us as we move forward into settling um, the moon or perhaps Mars. Mm. Do you think those perspectives, these uh, theosophist views, or even the theology itself, might change or evolve as we move out into space? the The reason mm. I bring that up is is because as we move into space our perspective of our own mother earth changes the impact of that fruit as an earth-bound um, plant now mm-hmm. shifts because that fruit isn't available on a space station or it's not available on the moon or we've had to modify the various plants that we take as to survive on Mars, or any number of the different things. What are your thoughts on how theology might change, or do you think that the threads that we have will continue and survive forward? Hmm. Well, I think that's a very
3: good question. Um, I've never been asked that before, um, but I'll be the first time for everything. I would say um, what we're dealing with is if you modify something okay you're taking uh, genomes from some plant or extracting it uh and you're you're implanting it in something else uh, to create some other organic material i i think I think that we try to do that i can't say we've been successful in all experiments, but that doesn't um That doesn't take us away, okay. That doesn't that doesn't direct our attention away from the fact uh, that those sources, okay, in which you mess with to come up with something better or bigger or whatever is in the human mind to create at that time, still doesn't defeat the argument of whether or not those organic materials originally evolved. Now we can take it. We have very smart laboratories and very smart scientists we can take uh for instance um well for instance the dogs are a great example you know there are certain breeds of dogs and in fact i think it was either in times or it was a oh i've, I've forgotten now but there was a magazine that um it, and the big title of it was scientists have found evolution uh it's something along those lines and i'm kind of paraphrasing it because i can't honestly remember the the article right when you, open, when you open it to the article, they showed a picture of a bulldog. Okay? Yes, you can cross-breed animals. Uh, a dog will always produce a dog, even if it's a different kind of dog. Uh, you certainly ha- can make big dogs, small dogs, long-haired dogs, short-haired dogs, big-eared dogs. You can have all kinds of dogs, but it doesn't prove level. And another thing that they found, which was kind of interesting, and they don't talk about this in the article, is there's only so many uh, turnarounds that the DNA of one particular kind of dog even allows. So, for instance, if you you crossbreed a a certain dog with long hair and you produced, let's say, 15 types of dogs out of it by crossbreeding constantly, it'll eventually just stop itself. So the DNA is incredibly... Complicated in that sense too, that there's a limit to how many times you could turn over a dog, uh, but in any case, even if you can produce a million dogs out of one particular breed or vice versa uh, or excuse me or multiple dogs, you 'll always produce another dog and I think this is the thing that people miss it doesn 't produce a Um i I had an atheist, and he was you know, really getting getting going with his anger and I said, I tell you what, we have to stop the conversation. He goes, no, I want you to prove to me. And I said, okay, I tell you what, the moment a chimpanzee grows a wing, then you can come and talk to me. But until I see that, there is no proof for macroevolution. We've had false assumptions, uh, like, for instance, Lucy, they found out it was something different. They found a, a tooth of a pig. Uh, that they thought was a transitional form of primate to human. So there's a lot of different um, false assumptions of macroevolution. And certainly Darwin had said it himself. Uh, there's a very famous quote uh, from him where he says, look, uh, it's called Darwin's Doubt. And he says that to think that the human mind, which, been, which is a mind that's been developed by lower species, any trustworthiness at all, uh, would anybody trust in the convictions of a monkey's mind if there is such a mind? So entirely insane is why should we trust anything at all about the reality of, of uh of this if the origins of of the universe and the origins of life, uh it comes from macroevolution. Uh nobody talks about that, but that's certainly what that's certainly something he wrote. Um but there's something there's something else that's quite fascinating, and it and it goes part of the universe. If you give me just a few more minutes, I want to I, I want you guys to put your opinions in this too. But do you well, think actually, I can have a few more minutes?
0: Actually, I'm going to have to cut you off here. We've still got some material to finish covering tonight. But oh, okay. Um, well,
3: maybe I can call a different time and we can discuss something that I think is important, I, which is the human mind. And where does that come from an ontological point
0: of view? I I would love to share conversations like that. However, our topic for this particular show is about news and events related to manned space travel and settlement Mm -hmm. as it looks Uh to the near future. Um unless we can turn the conversation not at all.
3: You don't think it what could disprove I have ex-
0: God? I don't think it could disprove God. I don't think science will ever... I don't, think, I don't believe that science will ever prove nor disprove the existence of God because theology is based on faith. It's based on belief. But not, it's not blind faith. On, it's, it's not based on um, the scientific method of uh, do this, do this, do this, and you get this result. And if that's repeatable by multiple people, multiple circumstances, then that can be considered dependable. Theology doesn't follow that guide. So theology Ashley, is something Ashley that's a very personal. Theology is a very personal experience uh-huh. based on that right. person's faith and belief system. There are so many like, different that- belief systems in the world today and there isn't anything out there that can prove that buddhists are, are the only way or hindus or um, christians or or jews any that any one group has 100% of the truth there most of them if not all of them have great qualities to them but many of them also uh-huh. have qualities that denigrate their very faith and so what this show yeah, but about. there
3: is a way to find out, both. You know what I mean? Like there, there is a way, and that's actually. All, I know I was going a little too long, but that's ultimately I what I was getting at. is
0: Right, and 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 I have, but first, pers- I have a personal experience in in theology. I have my own belief system, okay. and okay, like you be wrong? many uh, it's not about being wrong or right. It's about what, in my mind, really? works for my life. It's about how that belief system guides me and directs me in the decisions that I make. And in the in regards to this show, it's about making the decisions that help the show grow and develop and serve the community that we're trying to reach and people interested in manned space travel out of this atmosphere. Um thank well, that makes you a huge, that makes a huge it does, and and it, it helps us stay on goal and on task. And with that, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to go ahead and cut you off here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining the conversation tonight. I wish you well. Okay. Listen to the rest of our show as we'll be closing up here in the next uh, 20 minutes to a half hour. Thanks for joining us. All righty, folks, and we're off back on track. Um, We welcome all callers. Um, We do ask that you do please uh, be cognizant of the theme of our show, which is exploration of the news and uh, events surrounding manned space travel and exploration. We, We follow these news articles. We bring these to you each week. And then we have a short commentary section, again, that we're hoping to discuss the issues and challenges that we face in manned exploration. Settlement as well, and the hope, and keeping in terms with settlement, um, space is dangerous, and we've been told by many that we have to be prepared. Now, recently at the AIAA Space 2014 Forum in San Diego, a panel was constructed composed of four former shuttle astronauts, and it was a great source of amusing stories about how things go wrong up there and how the astronauts react. Learning from the Untold Stories of Human Spaceflight and its Contingencies was the name of the panel held at the Forum. Now, Gregory Johnson depicted a taking a tire iron-like thing and beating on the shuttle's frozen robotic arm to get it to unlock and extend to the series of descriptions of 2 a.m. phone calls, all seeming involving fire that Frank, Culbertson fielded as head of the shuttle MIR program, and with descriptions of tumbling satellites, retrieval missions, exploding satellite parts, systems failures, and changes in landing plans, it became apparent that successful missions depend on effective contingency planning. But you know, you got to hand it to the guys uh, serving on these missions, whether they be the astronauts in space or whether they happen to be the guys on the ground trying to support. Many of us have seen the film Apollo 13, Tom Hanks and all the great guys in that film. You remember that one, don't you?
1: I love that
0: one. Yeah, it was a great film. And I remember uh, particularly the the challenging scene where they've realized that the astronauts are in hurting status. I mean, these guys are, they, they haven't got enough air to get back to Earth. Yeah. And so That's a guy comes, pretty
2: serious.
1: and
0: an engineer comes into the room and dumps a whole bunch of parts on a table and says, here's what you got. We got to make whatever it is they're supposed to make, and we got to do it in this amount of time, or they don't make it. Right. And I remember, <laughs> as, as a handyman, uh, I know the value of duct tape. But I have to admit, even I was flummoxed uh, at the finished product, which was wrapped and held together by duct tape. <laughs> so the the one thing so you're
1: praying that, w- that they had that tape up in the
0: right. So our, uh, actually, your, they right are actually actually I believe they do I believe they do I believe they have you a would, role that would, goes with it so. I would think so yeah. um, but one of the things and and one of the beautiful things that our last caller um, pointed out to a lesser extent we are creatures of belief systems we are creatures of Thought we are creatures of action, and oftentimes yeah. we also have to be creatures of faith. Yeah. Sometimes we have to cobble together something that we're not even sure if it's going to do what we want it to do, much less work at all.
1: There's a lot of praying that goes in. There. <laughs> There's a lot
0: of praying that goes in, and I and I have no doubt that there were prayers flying all over space during the Apollo 13. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: well, all over America. At the
0: time. All over America. Yeah. Um, But this is one of the things that makes us what we are as a species, to be curious about the universe, to seek answers that can be uh, confirmed through um, a trial and error and retrial and reconfirmation. And this is what we're going to face when it comes to the exploration and also the settlement
2: mm-hmm.
0: of the moon mars uh, the intervening space in between we're uh,
2: going
0: to lose people well yeah we're going to lose people space is dangerous space i is mean dangerous. it's it's space has the the vacuum of space there's or what we call the no vacuum there's no way to
1: keep them safe but yeah and again there's no way to keep them safe but right here on earth either
0: and that's we'll uh, that's an interesting day. point yeah and despite the faith that we put in an all-seeing God, or in the technology that we have around us, mm-hmm. we we continually find that things happen—things that we didn't anticipate, things that we did anticipate. Only it went different.
1: Well, you know. okay, I'm going to put a little. Because I heard some of the conversation there, and I'm going to say that I think that you know that God intended us to explore all things, is that otherwise, why, how can we understand His all of his creations if we can't go into space and actually see? I'm sorry, but we're one Earth here. Yeah. There is, there's a mass amount of universes out there, and we should be exploring them because of the fact that how do we understand God and all his infinite, wonderful uh, diversity, if we don't go up into space and find out more.
0: I would, I would equate that. I relate to that. I would also point out that space isn't the only thing that's dangerous. As we're finding out in the Middle East right now, religion is dangerous. Seriously.
1: Hey, I'm Irish. I, I've always been dangerous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're, you're dangerous for other reasons. It's got nothing to do with religion for you. You're just dangerous out the gate.
1: Yeah, just, <laughs> like a
0: cat whose tail got cut off. Not half even, cut
1: off, half cut off.
0: Yeah, yeah, You're going to take
1: the whole tail, you're going to take the tail and take it off.
0: Yeah, All otherwise
1: right. forget it.
0: <laughs> now, one of the things that, that I admire about the engineers that have Put been around working around. for the last 40, 50, even as much as 100 years in the technological development that's been made through science and engineering is that it's all about protecting men, women, and children. It's all about preserving life. Yeah. Yeah. But I recall that there was a story many years ago that I read, and in the flat-out drive to preserve life, are we at risk of losing something? Yeah. The point that was made <laughs> was that let's say you live to be two thousand years old. What does you say that? Okay. Mm-hmm. If you can live to, or if you can be immortal. And you know, I, I, I was, I was, uh, oh, I goodness. caught, I caught a brief snippet of a show the other night, somewhere, recently, where a vampire was immortal.
2: Yeah.
0: Had been immortal. He'd been around a thousand years. Yeah. And he was bored. He, he had had, wanted to end it all. He wanted not to be immortal. Really? He wanted. He's already done it all. Yeah. Yeah. Been there, done that. I mean, even <laughs> if he lived another hundred, another thousand years, <laughs> the, the 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 thing that makes life worth, worth living oh. is that it's short. Well. Really? I think so. Oh. You only have <laughs> the average I thought the,
1: the biggest well, life life worth living is the fact that we're we're all together and we're all together trying to do this.
0: You know, I once I once thought that way. Well, but I now think each other. I am I'm, I'm now of the opinion Let's that, her that oh. one of the biggest reasons that we have such a drive
1: mm-hmm.
0: is because our life is so short.
1: But that wouldn't explain those who don't have a drive.
0: Yeah, it does they're
2: just lazy. <laughs> I
1: apologize for that, people. <laughs> uh, okay.
0: There's there's content, that and then there's lazy. Yeah, yeah. And I and both, a large majority of our population of
2: those. is content
0: <laughs> with what they have every day. Yeah, they're they're content to. Deal with the same challenges day in, day out, and not change them, not grow. And and granted, you know, if, if that person were sitting here speaking, they'd be saying it in completely different terms. It would make absolutely good sense, but wouldn't the prob- they?
1: The problem is that, that somebody like that usually won't, won't be actually speaking and doing their own show because... Again, they're content. They're
0: content with where they're at, they're and they're not, where they're they're at. not they, really interested in going want anywhere They don't to else. expand their yeah. their
1: horizons, and which has never been never happened in this particular <laughs> you of <and> me. Well, <laughs> we're
0: always yeah.
1: seeking out new ideas. And so somebody that "Well, why are you?"
0: chasing the second star to the right.
1: Yeah. Why Why you do so many things? Well, because um, I want to know. I, I want to do other things. I, I have more aspirations than a normal. To me, the normal tr- tree hugger.
0: <laughs> you have more aspirations than a, than a <laughs> typical human. Than a hib- typical human. So, and I think I yeah. fall into that same category. <laughs> so have, um, you
1: have too many things to do, you know.
0: But here's the thing. Sleep, what's we, that? We, but we share a sense of urgency to yeah. accomplish yeah, them because we have that limited amount of time. Yeah. And I think that's what gives us the drive. The recognition that there is a limited amount of time hey, to almost do I Sounds like a personal problem.
1: Yeah, it was at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you're still here.
1: Yeah. Does that mean
0: you're immortal? Oh,
1: wouldn't that be cool?
0: No. <laughs> After you know, about... It, hey.
1: Immortal... You know, if you're going to be immortal, for goodness sake, please give me a new body. You know? Give me a body that I won't have... That won't, you know, be... Appreciating
2: <laughs> with years.
1: It's not fair to be immortal if you're if you're in the same body that you're in now. Now, if you're going to be uh, immortal, then you know, vampire's the way to go. You want to know my address? Let me let me know. <laughs> hey, vampire out there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go immortal, then then go with an immortal that where the body doesn't
0: doesn't degrade. That would be cool for. Or obvious other reasons as well, when You're doing space off, off exploration and
1: and um, Hey, I, I know a book about vampires in space. Might as well stay on topic.
0: That's just that's <laughs> just wrong.
1: Why? I mean, think about it.
0: Actually, there were several films a few years back about a a form of vampire. Okay. Um, there have been science fiction has been replete with stories. Uh, the vampire, the werewolves, the various different animalistic qualities. Oh yeah, we can't
1: have vampire up on the moon. No, we can't have vampire in the moon, but yeah. You know,
0: werewolves would be. Werewolves tricky would be. Now.
1: Yeah, that would be very tricky. Even though I like werewolves, I I think that would be a problem.
0: <laughs> What's going to make him change? Earthlight?
1: Well, that's just it. You know, he actually, I think. He ooh, would, ooh, ooh ooh
0: ooh ooh! Here we go. Story he, idea. He
1: would have Forever be a werewolf no, I mean, yeah, no, yeah. no
0: no no <laughs> no on the moon he would turn into an albino hairless werewolf
1: why would that be
0: because he's getting reflected moonlight off the earth <laughs> <laughs> he's degenerating
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay if anybody okay, comes up with that idea, then you owe us five cents, okay? No final hairless werewolf.
0: Because he's getting reflected because moonlight off the earth.
1: But the moonlight off the earth, oh And boy. even then,
0: it's only at night from the earth side. Oh, of
1: course. <laughs> Some kind of rules here. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's you got to follow the rules. Oh, and know, by the way, it only fun.
0: lasts about 45 minutes till the sun comes out.
1: Oh, God, that would be an awful hour. <laughs>
0: Would even have time to eat anything? You barely well, get through. That
1: would, take care, that would through. take care of the problem I was yeah, worried about. Yeah,
0: I, I would think so. because yeah, <laughs> you just have enough time to get changed. Yeah. And then right. the light would go away, and know. then you're starting to change back, and it's like, well, geez, come on. Well,
1: you know, that means.
0: Talk know. about not making up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, anyway, space is dangerous. Whether <laughs> whether it's the whether you
1: have a vampire
2: or werewolf <laughs> on yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but
0: here's here's the thing. Congress is going get, to get into this and see if I'm they can about
1: vampires.
0: Well, there you go. The uh, Congress is getting into this. Um, US companies have been looking at asteroids as a way to create a new frontier in lucrative mining ventures. But they keep complaining that they're stymied by the vague status of private ownership in space. Now, earlier this summer, members of Congress introduced a bill to protect property rights for commercial exploitation of asteroids. And, of course, the question that the article at the link asks is, is it legal? Now, they make several points, and I think the reality okay. is far from the point. Because, yeah. and this is, this is where I actually take exception to most of the legal arguments that exist. Uh Uh-oh.
1: Here we go, people. Yeah,
0: here we go. All right. (laughs) If I go get a rocket, if I build a rocket, and I launch this rocket, and I go out, and I find me an asteroid, Mm -hmm. and I bring that asteroid, and I orbit it around the moon, okay? Yeah. That asteroid is not going to cross the airspace of any nation on Earth. Ain't going to happen. Therefore, yes, right. who has jurisdiction over that asteroid? Nobody. Nobody. Not only that, but who in blazes is going to enforce anything from Earth <laughs> if I'm in orbit around the moon? Space Sheriff. Yeah, right. What, Lone Ranger guy? Oh, that would be kind of cold
2: down vinyl thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can
0: see it now. He's riding his rocket-powered <laughs>
1: ski-doo. Oh, that'd be fun, man! And he's oh rolling
0: across the lunar landscape, We're chasing guys, after this,
1: after chasing
0: going. after this albino hairless <laughs> werewolf <laughs> who every t- every forty-five minutes changes back into a human <laughs> and then back into a werewolf. Oh
2: my goodness!
0: <laughs> and it hopefully puts him out of his misery. Eventually.
1: Eventually.
0: All right. Wow. But
1: I mean I make <laughs> a good first story. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah you know, But you like a whole series thing. of the stories then.
0: What when 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 the American <laughs> continent was colonized by settlers from the European continent. Mm-hmm. How long did the European law last? Some time. About 400 years.
1: That's quite a long time,
0: so here, you're thinking
1: that the moon's going to have to... It's a long time. Well, it is a long time.
0: But if the way things are going today, Uh it ain't going to last anywhere near that long. Point of law, point of earth law, jurisdiction of earth law over the moon is a moot point. But you don't think that the countries of the world are going to fight over this? They may fight down here but there ain't a dadgum thing they're going to be able to do to somebody up there on the moon or on an asteroid or on Mars. There isn't a doggone thing they can do to enforce any laws they enact on Earth. Nothing they can do. Not now, not in 50 years. There isn't enough money on the planet to build a space force to enforce anything. Mm -hmm. Not now, not in 50 years. I agree. And as such... This whole thing about what's legal in space—come really on, give me a break. Let's get people there first.
1: Yeah, don't worry about this Let's much.
0: establish the rule of law in the And let's make sure the, the lawyers
1: stay on Earth and they don't—they're not. Well,
0: yeah, I, personally, I think they ought to be. They <laughs> ought to be spaced, every single one of them. I don't think they should. I, I think that should be a, a limiting factor for settlement. I don't think lawyers should be allowed. I gotta put that in a charter. Yeah. But then again, you know uh, you know, that being said, I need to backpedal a little bit. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> because when the settlers came to this country for the very first time.
2: Yeah.
0: One of the first documents that ended up actually making it to this country was the Mayflower Compact. Yeah. Most of the other documents were basically defined in Europe, in England or Spain and then simply kept by the captain during the course of the voyage. And they never really set foot. Those, those documents never actually got onto the continent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of them didn't. Now, yes, there needs to be a form of law in the new settlement. Of course. But here's the question. What form is that law going to take? And who's going to adjudicate that law? Yeah, no. It's, it's not right. going to be the morons sitting here in their marble halls of Congress. No. Nor Double is it going to be the police or the military based here on Earth.
1: Double, hope not.
0: And currently, did you know? Probably not. That part of the various treaties on space prohibit any military presence in space.
1: Yeah, I didn't
0: know that. Okay. Which is interesting because if you're prohibited from putting any kind of a military presence, that would include, by vague reference, any police presence.
2: Okay.
0: You're not allowed to put them up there. Therefore, you have no way to enforce any laws enacted that would affect anything beyond right. the, the atmosphere but of the earth. Right,
1: there's always going to be a captain of any group and that captain as of that ship has been always been a maritime law where that captain
0: becomes a jury and and the judge. Judge, jury and executioner if necessary. Yes. Well
1: Because you know, people do stupid things sometimes.
0: Yes, they do. And I agree that typically it is the the, the, the sea captains. Or in its day, chieftains, yes. tribal leaders, yes. family leaders, who lay down the guidelines for life and commerce
1: mm-hmm. that of their, of their community.
0: Exactly. Now.
1: And then of course it.
0: I have no qualms, no doubts whatsoever, that there will be no law enacted from Earth that will ever effectively reach out and have jurisdictional effect on the moon much less on Mars
1: well let's put it this way I mean that you know obviously there's some things you know, for instance the Ten Commandments where thou shalt not kill well You know, obviously you don't want to kill each
0: other. Well, yeah, because you need each other. You need each other. This is the thing. This is what what I've been trying to bring up in multiple sessions where we have to stop thinking about the moon as an extension of the earth. And it's just land. It's not. It's a different celestial body separated from us by hundreds of thousands of miles of open vacuum.
2: Yeah, that, there's no
0: way there is to enforce no to to anything. There is no way to create laws to govern it. Mm-hmm. There is no way to enforce any laws that you do create. And quite honestly, if, let's say, the United States tried to enforce anything on the moon, I guarantee you China and Russia both are going to raise a stink sure. and probably launch a counteroffensive. Right. So, I think there's a book about that. It wouldn't surprise me. There's probably been where,
1: several. Yeah, where moon was inhabited and Earth tried to juris- jurisdictionize to it. To extend their yeah.
0: jurisdiction to it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just And then just
1: we had it. a war over it, and here we killed our... Who's,
0: who's got the high ground when it comes to people living on the moon? Well, they do. Well, sure they do. And they do they it. have to make munitions to blow up cities? No. What do they have to do? All they got to do is throw rocks. Seriously, do you know how fast a good-sized rock would be traveling by the time it hit the atmosphere from the moon?
1: Well, that's an interesting idea. It would have to be a big rock, though. Let's get through the atmosphere. Well, it'd it would have to, to be big enough to
0: not be, yeah. But even a pebble, by the time it gets to the atmosphere, still traveling. It'd be like a bullet. Mach 4 or 5, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. It could still do some it'd serious damage. It through your body, man, and all
1: the way through
2: to... Leave a real
0: floor. big gaping hole on the other side of the body. Yeah. Rip your spine right out of your back. <laughs>
1: Boy, we gotten really graphic tonight. Rip your head clean off. But you know,
0: you know, not only does government and jurisprudence and all these kind of things, laws, enforcers, whatever form those That's might take, vulnerable. the, the caller this evening brought up. It, it kind of caused me to think in terms of. You know, and, and I tried to ask him what what might religious faiths do. How might they evolve or change with the with the new environment? You know, it's it's one thing, and I'm and I'm going to be facetious here for a moment, but I'm going to say, let's say there's a religious law uh-uh. that says you're not allowed to jump higher than five feet.
1: A religious religious law.
0: Let's say there's just just for the sake of argument, okay. there's a religious. I'm being really facetious here. Okay, I don't want to step on anybody's toes or, or fall on them. Um, let's say there's a religious law that says you're not allowed on Earth to jump higher than five feet. Most people find that a little difficult anyway. You get to the moon, people are able there, they, they can jump up six, seven feet high. Oh,
1: I see. So, yeah, they were so, so who's that? going to
0: enforce that law? Is the religion going to change? Is it going to evolve? Are the rules going to evolve based on the new circumstance? And if that is the case, we now have to ask the question, where is the universality of such a theology whose laws and rules change over time? I'm
1: just thinking about the, the, the books that would have to change because CJ Jane Run, I mean, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> Running's kind of problematic on the moment.
2: problematic.
0: <laughs> you you yeah, end up, like... you're, you are... You are you are leaping on the moon. You are not running. We've seen that. You either shuffle, kaplum kaplum kaplum. You're you're either hopping like a bunny, hop like a bunny, or you're leaping like a lizard.
1: I think leaping like a frog.
0: Well, frogs leap. Frogs leap leap better. lizards, Lizards. Some no. Some lizards really leap. They do. Oh yeah.
1: Leaping lizards.
0: Exactly. Where do you think that came from? (laughs)
1: <laughs> the lizards we're almost at the tail end of this show thank goodness <laughs> so yeah I mean you know honestly each person needs to take their own religion and, and their own belief system and, and uh, along with them
0: and the thing of it is if there is anything that we do on this show it is to challenge the listener to open your mind and understand that when we go to space and mass, and, and here's the thing, what's it going to take to put not two, not three or seven, but 100 or a 1,000 or 10,000 people on the moon or on Mars or in habitats in orbit? What is it going to take to get that far? Is it going to be technology? No, I don't think so. I don't think technology is the only answer.
1: What do you think religion's going to do? It?
0: No. Okay. I think that what will bend both mm-hmm. will be the aspect and the very nature of what it is to be in a frontier. Yeah, of course. When we look back in history, not only does science change, but so does religion and theology changes when you move into a frontier, because there are new experiences. There are new laws of nature that you discover. There are new ways of behaving that you discover. And theology must come up with behavioral rules. Science must come up with um, the technology rules that we can improve everything with. And the truth is, the absolute unvarnished truth of it all is that we need our faith to guide our behavior. So that we can explore and ultimately conquer the frontiers that lie before us. But if we can't embrace what a frontier is, and the understanding that a frontier is a place of lawlessness, until we get there in enough numbers to establish a lawful society. We cannot extend the lawful society of Earth to the Moon. It won't work. Things are going to be too different.
1: First city should be called Tombstone.
0: Why? I'm almost scared. Lala City. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> but vampires don't have tombstones. Sure, they do. You know what? That would be interesting. We could have a contest for names of lunar cities. <laughs> But they Barter, can't be... Had
1: his, own, had his own crypt.
0: He had a crypt. He didn't have a tombstone.
1: That's one big
0: tombstone. No, that's not a tombstone. Maybe. That's a crypt. That's a building. It's not a single stone. Has,
1: it has a name of the, of the family on it.
0: Right. What it's it's not tombstone. his name. It's a family name. Oh. It's not the same. <laughs> I can twist anything, girl and usually do no
1: crypts in space then huh?
0: oh I didn't say that
1: no yeah we were talking about that once we were talking about whether or not to take the body back home
0: yeah hmm. one of the interesting things that I, I think we're going to find is is that
1: you know if a vampire was there and made everybody into other vampires we wouldn't have the problem where to do with the bodies what do you mean nobody would die
0: why wouldn't they die
1: Vampires don't die. Yes, they do. No they don't they die
0: from hunger. They die from exposure to sunlight. Uh, so it,
1: well,
0: they have So weaknesses. they
1: live underground.
0: Even if they even if a vampire lived underground, they still have to receive sustenance. Okay. Their sustenance comes from feeding on humans and they, getting fresh, and of untainted course they don't blood. Have any humans. If there's no humans left mm-hmm. they would literally fall into a dormant state. But if they're Yeah, that would be a weird one. Yeah. And all these German shriveled up vampires actually man. there was a film not too long ago that addressed just that very issue um, and, and a book many years ago I read a book many years ago that talked about it where a ship crash lands on earth and the ship itself is full of vampires in fact there was a show <laughs> what was the TV show
1: man i tell
0: you all oh man there was You're a TV the series of
1: fiction authors guys yeah yeah
0: there was a TV show that dealt with that very premise at one time Huh? Vampires landed in a sh- no Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> oh no! Do you remember the bad guys in Stargate Atlantis? The race.
1: Yeah. Were basically
0: yeah. a vampire race.
1: Yeah, uh, of sorts.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. They fed off the life energy of a human. Uh huh. And they would go into dormant state until a human activated them, woke them up, and then they could feed. But they could go dormant for hundreds of years. And that's the same principle on our basic vampire So life. here
1: we would think that that all of our people died.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When actually they're just dormant vampires.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Dormancies can really bite you in the ass. Apparently.
1: Is <laughs> that's where it likes to bite you. There
0: you go. Well, hey, very fleshy back there. Very fleshy
1: back there. What you got there? I don't know.
0: You know, whole new meeting to the phrase bite me. Now with that, are okay. we done? I think we're getting punchy. <laughs> just just to wrap it up, folks, a lot, lot of, again, every week there's new stuff going on. Don't let yourself fall behind. Touch base with us. We kind of wrap things up each, each week that we're here. Um, sometimes we skip a week,
2: no, uh, but we come back and we
0: pick it up. We cover both weeks when we do come back. Um, We invite you to come out, join us, call in. We won't be in next week,
1: but we'll be in the week after. Right.
0: Uh, Call, join us online, join us in the chat room, Um, uh, question us,
1: challenge us.
0: I dare you. I dare you.
1: Did nothing in there, Thanks. So, are we done? We're done. So, this is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Holchin and we're signing out for the night. And just remember that, you know, wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) That's my new catchphrase for the day. So, have fun, and see you guys uh, two weeks from today, 7 o'clock, same bat channel, same bat time.